Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. Yes. It's January 10th, 2023. It's the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Sitting across from me is Action Jackson. It's QFTA. This is my future. Know that. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> well, I heard it, and uh, I'm along for the ride, Tim. Thank you. What do you want to do? Yeah, uh, You know, see some sights, enjoy mm. the world. I feel like Larry David, I'm kind of looking you up yeah, and down you are, right you now. Yeah, you are giving it to me. Going, okay, well, what, do you, what do you want to do? Let's I just, say I shut it down. Uh-huh. Let's say I, I, I think might be the theme of the podcast, not me shutting it down, <laughs> but me recognizing finality because the gentleman who has sent in the death email uh-huh. has sent it in so many times, and it just so happens it ties in with a lot that has gone on lately, so I think I'm going to answer it, and then we can... I read that today on TMA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, hell is it oh i've gotten a lot of emails since he sent that um but yeah i do think about that but i i I could if i could sit in jupiter florida and do what you and i do here this show Mm -hmm. this show this specific show for two three hours a day interview people maybe one guest per show one guest every other not not a sports guest i mean some of them would be yeah it just we would we would have no lines to color inside of some would be porn, some would be politics, some would be sports, entertainment, musician, just somebody I find, fat, whatever the fuck it is. I sit in Jupiter, Florida. I do that once a day. It's on YouTube. It's on whatever social media going on. TikTok, which now that I am obsessed with TikTok, yep. my God, do I love it. And that's what I would do. And I'd be fine making shit, I don't even know, a quarter of what I make right now mm-hmm. in living in Jupiter and doing that. How's that sound? Now, that's me. That's that's me. Mm-hmm. I am 22, 21, 22 years older than you. Yeah. So you have those ho twenty one twenty two. What do you What do you say? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to be doing at forty six? I wasn't planning on doing this, but now that I'm in this, I want to find out what is your plan. Yeah, you know, I wish I could give you a more concrete answer, and I probably should for terms of like you know having long term plans and goals. No, the, the, the you know what the answer is, Jackson. The uh, answer is honesty. Yeah, it's true. Honesty is the answer, and honestly. I don't know what I'll I, what I'll be doing at that time. I know that I'm very happy with what I do now and where I live right now, uh-huh. and I want to continue to be happy. So when the day that I stop being happy doing what I do is the day I'll consider doing something else. And that's kind of how I take life. There's too many variables in this life. I think sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, 
to be planning so far ahead in the future because you can make that plan. Right. Something pops up and that plan is out the window. I agree. I agree with that. That's very astute. I would say one thing that I will disagree with just coming from experience, and in a way, it's something that I'm experiencing now. Like if Anna Marie and I, and thank goodness it wound up happening, but we were not going to have kids, mm-hmm. not because of choice, because it couldn't happen. Right. Um, at least that's what we were told. And then Jameson came along naturally in 2017, and Aiden came along uh, in a commercial break, uh, conceived in a commercial break. Right. In, uh, I think that was May of 2021. We haven't been able to identify the specific day because we were banging commercial breaks constantly, which in hindsight is so fucking weird. Trust me, if you've been married 10 years and you're fucking in commercial breaks, that's not common. But re- anyway, that's what was going on. I remember that segment when you said that because we were playing Lizzie Hale, as you remember. Um, I don't remember. I was <laughs> conceiving children. Right, that's right. Um, but Iggy was just warbling to Lizzie Hale, which is always a treat. <laughs> which you guys didn't know I wasn't there because you couldn't see me. We didn't have the YouTube. That exactly. Was the KFNS. We were just the KFNS. So it was just, and, uh, and along with the Lizzie Hale, it's just me and Iggy in that back room. And if I took my <laughs> headphones off, it would just be a grown man in the 60s screaming Lizzie Hale, which was always a treat. Um, and you came back and and you go, hey, how late was I? I was just having sex. And I was like, what? and I remember looking at Matt Rocchio, and Matt Rocchio was like, what was that? <laughs> and there was confusion, and then, you know, and then Iggy started laughing, and everyone was, I remember. Yeah, I really did. And the thing is, when we would go down there, Anna Marie's parents lived with us. So it's it's kind of aggressive, but th- I, I believe they would go out, you know, for I think they might, might take our older son, well, he was the only son at the time, and I mean, I, I'm, it, people have sex. Yeah. You know, I guess it's kind of uh, taboo, I suppose, yeah. to talk about it. But you know, for our show's purposes, that's what I happen to be doing. It wasn't necessarily a brag. It's my wife. Right. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to hear about anybody and their you know wife having sex. Right. Now, if I said, "Man, I had this ridiculous," th- let's say I'm single, had this absurd threesome with this person, you know, and this person, you know, you'd be like, "Holy shit, I'm interested." If I said, "Oh, I had this threesome with," My wife <laughs> and this person, you know, you go, ah, I don't know if I really want to hear that. Right. Right? Am I right? Yeah, it's, it becomes Like, different. if you told me, like, if you were with somebody for a few years and all of a sudden you're telling me, I had this with a buddy, as a matter of fact, he started telling me about how somebody I knew who he had been with for a couple of years, and he started talking about how they started doing anal. And I'm going, I got to tell you, I have, I have no interest in this. Right. Now, if this was somebody you met at the right. bar... I'm interested. It seems like something we need to psycholog- psychologically evaluate as to why that's the case. But you agree with my premise. Right. I think it'd be, if I had to just on the surface figure out why that is, it's like someone that you're just like, oh, I met this girl last night. I don't have a, I don't have a face to mm-hmm. it. I don't know a name. I don't know anything about their personality. It's just, a, it's just something. It's just an entity. But then when I get to know your significant other and you know maybe have dinner with them with you know, a group of people and just hang out with them, then it starts becoming like their friends. And even closer than that, if they're like a, a wife, it's like if you're a buddy, it's like almost family. You don't want to hear about that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So That's... it's like putting a, a name and a face and a personality to it changes the elements of it. So here is why me engaging in coitus got brought up on the program. What, if, if, if it were just me and Anna Marie, mm-hmm. just me and my wife, and we didn't have children, I may have already, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know if we would have moved, because I don't know, I don't know, but I might have already just gone out. I don't know. But bringing up your thing, which you just said, and you said, I will do this until I don't enjoy it anymore, what can happen and it, and it isn't, we'll be 25 in March, but it isn't something that happens at 24. But what can happen, I suppose, in, in late 20s even, but early 30s, and certainly then beyond, is if you get in a spot 
where you're making a certain amount, mm -hmm. where if you were to leave, you would then be cutting your household income. And that's where I'm going with this household income, not just about you now. Right. Assuming that you do right. marry and if you do have children, now you are not making decisions for yourself. Absolutely. And even if it was just me and Anna Marie, I can play a little more um, aggressively is sure. the way I would describe it. I've said this before. It sounds ridiculous, but I am telling you, if me and my wife would have had children pre-2013, TMA is not around anymore. Mm -hmm. as, as, as strange as that cause and effect thing goes, I wouldn't have been in a position to take on risk. I wouldn't have been as comfortable. I suppose I could have done it, but I wouldn't have been as comfortable. Right. Um, and I would imagine a lot of you who are parents can understand what I'm talking about, especially if you have some semblance of business ownership or your own thing. And so it changes the game. And so then what winds up happening is you find yourself doing things, not necessarily that you hate, but managing your chip stack differently post-children. Sure. And that is one of those things. And I try, and I'd like to think I do this, but who knows? And I know you would never tell me if you disagreed anyway. But I try not to be the guy, wait till you have kids. Oh, it goes so fast. That type of thing that you hear immediately. Like you'll see people post on Facebook who I don't know, who just like for whatever reason want to shit on my life on my Facebook page. It's one of the strangest things that goes on. But anyway, or talk about how hot my wife, which was also fucking weird, but whatever. That... Oh, well, it goes so fast. Enjoy it. They'll be grown up. Oh, enjoy it now while they can't talk back to you. And I'm going, wait, who are you, number one? <laughs> and why do you, th like, why? But whatever. It's fine. It's social media. It is what it is. But I never want to be that guy to you. Right. And, and the plowboy, I think, at some time here in the next couple of years, we'll probably have kids, I guess, uh, where I, like, talk from a, oh, I know something you don't know. Thing. I want you to experience it on your own, right. but I can tell you from my own, and I can only speak to my own personal experience, that the mindset changes so substantially once you have children, not because of the way your life changes, because it changes in, in incredible ways. I'm so grateful that we were lucky enough because we didn't think we were going to, we were told by doctors we weren't going to be able to have kids, uh, that we did, and you then think differently. You think differently about moves you make career-wise yeah. right. and so unfortunately I think a lot of people who do have kids would say this the priority isn't as idealistic I guess I suppose and this isn't directed at you because I was this way all the way up until I mean I was 40 when when my first son was born a naive I suppose although I, it's beautiful naivete it's beautiful ignorance of how things change not just financially but just a different thought process from a responsibility standpoint and you then put their needs ahead of your own and you go well this is you know like man i want to i my wife and i want to live in jupiter florida period it's what we want and and i have been very before we even came here it was one of my conversations with hubbard management it, you know it, it's 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 well known mm -hmm. And it's not anti-St. Louis. It's me having a fucking problem. It's my own problem with not doing well with being inside for six or seven months. It just don't do well with it. Call right. it whatever you want. There's, what is it, seasonal anxiety or seasonal yeah, depression or something. something. Like it's, it comes out to SAD, sad. Right. right. And, um, and, and truly what I would say to people is this. It's a drug. And all the way up until t 2018, I didn't know about the drug. 
because I had never lived in Florida during spring training. I'd go down there for a, a, a week, and mm-hmm. then you just come back. But once you're there and you go, oh, God, this is the way it is in the United States, not you know in a land far away, in the eastern time zone, perfect for what we do, and I can do my job remotely, and it really doesn't impact my job, and I can take clients down here and take listeners down here. Holy shit. Why don't we just live here? That's where I am mm-hmm. because in the winter – I am looking for time to pass quickly, and that is not the way to live life, in my opinion. I'm not looking to heal the world or change anybody's mind here. I'm just telling you how my mind works. And if you are looking for time to pass quickly, like, oh, good, it's already January 10th. In two months, it'll be March 10th. And even though we're going to jerk ourselves off and say March is going to be great, March is actually going to suck, and April's probably going to suck and be wet and cold, and then we're going to, what the fuck's wrong with the weather, except this is the way that it is every single year. And then we get to May, and then I go, shit, September's only four months away. And then I do this whole thing over and over again, and all of a sudden, I'm 50 years old, and I go, what the fuck? That's my mind. Now, it may sound crazy to people because most of you have not taken the drug, and I've taken the drug. And the drug that I have is that I can do my job remotely, number one. I know a lot of people can't. And I have lived in Florida for months at a time in January, February, and March and seen how it's growing and how it's warm and how it's where me and my family are very happy. And there is my reasoning. It's not anti-St. Louis. If St. Louis had Florida's climate, it has. it's not anti-St. Louis. It's the climate. Can't stand it. And then the other thing that people don't realize about St. Louis when it comes to the heat, people go, well, you wouldn't like the heat in the summer. Have you if you lived in St. Louis during the summer? <laughs> yeah, I'd be out in the summer in Florida, and and the people from the Northeast, many of whom reside in that area, would go, "Boy, you can't believe you're out here playing golf right now." I go, what are you t- "It's like 92. Who gives a shit?" Right. For those of us from St. Louis, it's a nothing. So that is my explanation as to why I think the way I think. How does that get us to where we are here? Well, it is this question, and it is some of these life experiences that I have recently had. That brings us to it. This gentleman by the name of Todd, I don't know if he wants his whole name in there, so I, out of respect, unless I know somebody wants me to use their name, I don't read their full name, has sent this email, Jackson. He started sending it May 11th of 2022 um, and has sent it, and I'm not saying this to mock him, but he sent it, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six times. He has. Uh, and he sent it again this morning because I was saying, hey, Jackson and I are going to do QFTA, send your questions in. Right. And this is the question. Now, this might be morbid, but I'm not taking it necessarily down the death road so much as what I just talked about there on the front end and then I talk with you about. And, and if people, you know, have their own response to it, uh, please email me, tmccarnett at insidestl.com. Being in our 40s, we're entering an interesting chapter of our lives. For the most part, our 20s and 30s were full of weddings, children, and careers. As we enter our fifth decade, end-of-life decisions and death will start playing a more prominent role in replacing the joyous chapters in our 20s and 30s. Our friends will start developing debilitating diseases. Parents of our long-term fr- long-time friends will die. We will have div- difficult discussions and decisions with our own parents. Too often, we are not comfortable with death. Death is the last thing we want to discuss with our loved ones as we cannot fathom the thought of them no longer being with us. Being an ICU nurse and working in the field, uh, it says field organ transplant, so I would imagine there was an of or something like that missing there. The objective idea of death is a part of my everyday lexicon. In my opinion, the more that we are comfortable contemplating and discussing death, the better that we will set ourselves up for our emotional success when end-of-life decisions and death are on our doorstep. Are you comfortable with death? 
Have you had preemptive end-of-life discussions with your folks? Does your lack of religious faith make death easier or more difficult to accept? I look forward to your thoughts. And he did write his whole name, Todd Bono, who I happen to, he's a couple years younger than me and is a St. Gabriel's guy. Um, So, Jackson, for me and for you, we both knew Jeff Burton, who passed away in August here at, at Hubbard Radio. And I knew Jeff going back, I don't think it'd be 20 years, but 15-ish years. Um, And truly a wonderful, ridiculously quick-witted, absurdly likable, all the compliments you heard when he passed, uh, if you were at the pageant for that celebration of Jeff, uh, they're all accurate. They're not hyperbolic. It's the real thing. If you saw him in the hallway, he was going to make you laugh. And just like a, the ability yeah, for those crazy. of you who listen to TMA today and Martin Kilcoin was on, if I'm doing Mount Rushmore of wit in St. Louis, Jeff Burton and Martin Kilcoin are on it for real. Who else is on that Mount Rushmore? Rich Gould. Boy, that's a nice play. God, and then where do we go? Jay would have certainly been on that list, in my opinion. I feel like Doug's got to be live, but I feel like Doug's is a different kind of... It, yeah, it's different than the two, Yeah, Martin and, and Jeff. Um, Brad Thompson's hilarious. I think he's super witty. Um, you get the idea. But right. for, for real, like Jeff Burton was there and Martin Kilcoin's there, and those are two that I just, they're undisputable yeah. and they're indisputable. And, and Rich Gould, certainly. Um, point being... Um, Jeff loses his life in August. Now, on on that one, for those of us here, and I think those who listen to the Riz show, I think people had an idea that that was coming. I remember getting on the phone, or I was texting with Riz, and I was in Hilton Head, and that was July. And that was the day that Scott, Scott Rizzuto, Riz, had read the letter written by uh, Jeff's wife saying that he would not be mm-hmm. in again which was informing the audience of something that I know that the guys on the show knew, but they had not shared with the audience, which is what I thought I was going to be doing with Jay. And then it turns out his longtime girlfriend, Amy, texted me that morning, the day Jay called in, and said he is going to be able to do it. And I am so grateful, not because I couldn't have read it. I could have read it, whatever. That that wasn't like some big challenge. It wouldn't have been easy, but... You can kind of take your soul out of your body to perform the task and compartmentalize to do that. Um, but I'm glad the audience got to hear him Yeah, the last time. And then I'm glad because of that, the audience then sent as much love to Jay in the final week of his life. But that was sudden. That was me and you hosting Balloon Party, and I know I didn't say anything to you when it happened um, out of respect for Jay wanting to keep it private. But on October 16th, just looking at my phone, he tells me he has cancer and he's got a handful of months to live. I'm just like, hell, yeah. you know, and then it became a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then I had a friend of mine, uh, and I know some of my friends listen to this podcast, uh, by the name of Leon Williams, who sold advertising at KFNS for my father, actually. So then that must have mean this is 2002, three, four range. Uh, and then also I played golf with regularly who truly was, it just so happens, because um, I'm so careful with this, like if somebody was kind of a dick or I didn't really like them, I'm not going to lavish praise on them. Now, I'm not going to take shots if they pass. Right. But, you know, yeah, that'll be your tell. Good. That'll be your Teddy KGB Oreo. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of, but I mean, it just so happens with these three guys. Uh, and I don't think Jay would be the one to go, I, I was the friendliest guy, but he was the best when yeah. it came to storytelling and being on the show, yeah. you know? 
uh, he just had dealt with enough bullshit from radio that he was just so jaded to the whole fucking thing. That that's why TMA worked so great for him because he wasn't really working for TMA. He could come in and basically be like, fuck off. This is great. Yeah. I can fuck off. Um, and not have to worry about a GM or program director firing him or fucking with his life. But uh, Leon was one of those guys, truly, who everyone loved. His funeral was this past Saturday. He died 44 years old, 44, 45. I think he's going to turn 45 in a week mm. as you and I are sitting here. Mm. And he had a heart attack on December 30th. Oh, it's awful. And was gone on January 2nd, I believe. Um, and the church on Saturday was there was not room people were outside of the church he just had that impact on people and you combine that with all of the other things that have taken place and my wife and I are for the first time are having the kind of conversation that Todd references in this email of, well, I guess we have to have a conversation about how, now we have a trust and we've had a trust for a few years. Once you have a child, that's something that I would recommend setting up, not telling anybody what to do, but just my own little pro tip there. I didn't know anything about it. It's like 529. Do you know what a 529 is? Isn't that the trust you set for your college education? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I had no, well, it's, it's, it's an educational fund that's pre-tax. But I, I did, until my son was born, I had never even heard of it. Yeah. You'll be in a good spot because you're working with Mark Hanna, Evergreen yeah, right. Strategies, 314-889-0503. Go online at evergreenstl.com, the great Mark Hanna. Your financial advisor will make sure you have that set up. But, uh, you know, you have to answer questions like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? You know, mm-hmm. uh, how do you want to handle social media accounts? Mm. You can imagine where I am <laughs> on that uh, with, uh, with my conversation with my wife. Um Mine will be at St. Gabriel's. That's just the way it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I wouldn't describe myself as really active, uh, that is, that's my neighborhood and always will be. Even though I haven't lived there in a while, it's uh, what I. It's that's that's my place, and that's that's where I believe so much stuff. Uh, you know, that's where I, I just hold in high esteem my kind of people, and uh, and so it forces you to then have these conversations. And, I, and I've said it, I know I've said it on this podcast so many times. I go, God, you know, in, tw- in 20, 20 years ago, I was 26. And that doesn't seem that long ago. And in 20 years, I'll be 66. And 66 seems really old. Right. But then to you, I would imagine 45, which is 20 years away for you, seems really old. And say, say, don't, you don't have to worry about upsetting me. No, I, I know. Fuck. It's because my parents, my parents, I, my dad was 45 when I was when you were born, five also. years old, like, well, not even one or two years no. old. So I've had older parents my whole life. Right. And my dad's still active at 69. So like. He, your dad's 69. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Yeah, he's very, runs every day. So wow. Like, I, yeah, I, he I is view, in great shape. So yeah, I view uh, like 45 isn't as old okay. as some people who might have younger parents. I think a lot of it also is, it, well, you, well, Plowboy actually brought this up with some of the sound stories we've done recently. Uh-huh. We've had a couple of people dead serious who are in their early 80s who I'm telling you, if you got to go, you got $100 on the line, you got you got one year either way on either side, and, that, and if you get the age right, you win 100 bucks. If not, you lose. I would have for real put them in their 60s. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, they were still active with business, yeah. which I think there's something to that. Because yeah. my wife will look at some pictures of people I went to high school with or college, and she goes, there's no way that person is your age because they just look like the world has just, you know, chewed them up and spit them out. But I didn't have kids until a handful of years ago. And so I got to live a different kind of life. 
And now those guys who were going, holy shit, I'm 25 and I've got two kids. What the fuck just happened? They're done as far as having to deal with the first 18 or 22 years of, you know, dependence. Mm-hmm. But with with what's happened with Leon, with Jay, with Jeff Burton in particular, um, all happening here in a matter of months, it, it, it re-forces, reinforces something that I actually, now Todd's asking this question, and I didn't answer just because the way I think, I thought it was phrased was kind of morbid, but I talk with a gentleman who we haven't gotten into business yet, but we've talked about getting into business together, and he actually talks about it, how, for lack of a better term, we're comfortable with death not necessarily in the, oh, I know what's going to happen. Some people think they do, and I hope they're right. You know, I have no clue. Right. Um, and I'm pretty confident that I'm not alone there. I just don't act like I do and then try to get legislation passed because I think I do. Uh, nonetheless, digressing, um, he goes, it's interesting. Some of some of the more successful, this guy's an entrepreneur, he's already retired, he was in his 30s, God bless him. And... He's like, yeah, there's, uh, there are people who actually keep death clocks on, like, on their accounts. Hmm. Like if you're expected, which I think, and I know some you, your reaction is, oh, my reaction is, oh, my God, I think that's brilliant. Really? Because it is a reminder. Like I check my accounts every day. Right. Not because I'm like, oh, did we have a nice day yesterday? But I just want to make sure, okay, this is where yeah. it is, this is where it is, you know, with a variety of different things to make sure I'm monitoring for my family if every day because whether you're doing it with hours or you're doing it with days or you're doing it with years it's a reminder that that no matter what that one doesn't matter how well you plant that one is going to decrease mm-hmm. and to me that is a reminder to make sure that you maximize you know like what I would do differently if I were sitting there at 24 now of course I would have the knowledge and experience that I have now mm-hmm. and then I would imagine at 66 I would say some things that I wish I would have done differently at 46 I think I would assume because right. you're always if at least I think learning and open to learning Definitely. so then I sit there and I go God if I were to just go okay I'm done I think people look at me like I'm fucking crazy I'm done I'm moving to Jupiter I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I just don't want to sit inside and count the days until, you know, May 1st and then start fearing when October 1st rolls around. It's not the way I want to live. I love it there. My wife loves it there. We have to make a decision soon on our children because we're not going to be pulling them out of school. At least that's not what we want to do to move in the middle of their education. So that's why I feel a little urgency. And this is what we want to do, and we already had thought that, and now Jeff Burton, Jay Randolph Jr., and Leon Williams have all passed away in the last four or five months. And even though I'm going, okay, I might have 25, 30 years left, look what just happened. One guy was in, two guys were in their 50s, one guy was in their 40s, and they're gone. And so I might be uncomfortably comfortable with death, uncomfortably comfortable with discussing death but i actually think for me don't want to speak for anybody else for me it is healthy to talk about for example i talk about it which might sound fucking crazy but i told my son because my son would be up occasionally around leon said leon passed away you know and 
showed him pictures. And, you know, I mean, I so people, oh, I don't know if that's right to do with a, a five-year-old. That's fine. Then don't do it with your five-year-old. But from my standpoint, oftentimes, I think the reason why I am so batshit about sex and so perhaps comfortable to make it uncomfortable for other people in talking about sex uh, is because it was so uncomfortable around my house growing up to talk about it. And so this is my overcorrection. Sure. This is my, you know, fist in the air. Right. The, what this, that, that was bullshit dogma. Mm-hmm. So this is what I really think. And I think it's comfortable. And I think we have systems in place, whether it be religion, monogamy, whatever dogma you would want to come up with, that are actually anti-human nature that then lead to all kinds of problems, whether it be wars with religion or divorces with relationships that then have impact on people's lives. But we can't talk about them because then you are, quote unquote, not normal. Well, I don't want to be normal. And I'm quite certain I'm not anyway, not necessarily from a, a being standpoint, but from the way that I think. And so when it comes to death, it's coming. And to act like it's not would be disingenuous. What breaks my heart when I think about Leon is he has a 12-year-old son Mm. and an 8-year-old daughter. That was the part at the funeral when they walked past, and I I just that just, ah. Crushes you. With Jay, when you heard Jay on the radio, um, and I visited Jay two days before he passed, and he wasn't the same guy. I mean, he wasn't, I visited him, but I mean, that was, and he was able to talk, but not, you know, he was... He wasn't the same guy. Um, And it all happened, obviously, very quickly. Jay was at peace. He truly was. That wasn't a, that wasn't an act, what you heard from him. And I think a part of that was his children had, had grown up. And he was grateful for not only the fact that he had been able to raise his children and he had um, gotten closer with his son in particular, Jennings the Fourth. But that he had also had this incredible life. And so for me, to be real candid, because it's morbid, because it's like my my kids would listen to this. My kids will be listening to this if something were to happen here in the near future. I have an incredible amount of gratitude for what we, you have been a part of it for two years, but for what we have been able to do with this. And there are I don't want to say there are any regrets because there are absolute regrets, but at the same time, the adversity and candidly, the living hell that we went through at times. And it was a living hell. You think, you know, Martin gave you a little appetizer this morning. You still have no clue because Martin wasn't living that, you know, Rocchio, who lived it, came up to me. He goes, oh, my God, I just listened to Martin's segment. That was great. He goes, the thing is, I know Martin doesn't know even like half the stuff that you know because you were. I go, I know. And people still think this guy was the bad guy and this guy wasn't the bad guy. I'm going, you have n- it was a living hell. It was mm-hmm. a living hell. And then there was a living hell before that. And there was a living hell before There was a living hell before that. But then because now we are working with really quality people who, by the way, may inevitably have to fire me. But it doesn't make them bad people. That's business. Right. You know, that's business. It becomes math that in this moment, I want to make sure I convey. And I know I'm I know you would say the same thing. And I'm off on a fucking tangent here. But it's it's raw emotionally because of all of these passings. Uh, and this email wants to talk about it. So I'll talk about it. That in the moment, what we are experiencing is finally the payoff for the hell that a bunch of people went through. A bunch of people who, some of whom are not on the show anymore. 
you know, Jim Hayes went through hell, mm-hmm. not on the show anymore. Uh, producer Joe went through hell. John Seymour went through hell. Pete Eichels went through hell. Number of board operators went through hell. And, and, and in some cases, it wasn't as rough as some of the, the other circumstances, but it was rough. And then, so you sit there when this is going on, and I saw Scott Van Pelt say this to Kirby Smart last night. Are you going to enjoy this? Because last year after you beat, uh, what, they beat Alabama, right? Yeah. Uh, you were right back at work the next day. And Scott Van Pelt said, I, I heard somebody say, if, if you don't enjoy the view, then what's the point of making the climb? And so I want to make sure while this is going on, because inevitably it will change. And I don't know when it'll happen, but when this is going on, I want to make sure that to our audience, to the guys I work with, to my wife, if my children are old enough to understand it, to appreciate the caliber of people with whom we are working, not just on air, all over the place, behind the scenes, sales, management, because it is, in my opinion, from my life experience, it has been so rare that this is so pleasant that it's been so rare which then makes it even tougher to go god i just kind of at times want to go i've loved it but if i can't do it from jupiter then i'm good just kind of tipping my cap and going yeah that's more important to me i'm a better husband and father when i'm in jupiter florida and what else is more important than that all right we got to have an honesty and media moment here yeah people are gonna be like what the fuck so i'm in the middle of of saying all that I'm saying right here. And by the way, is this is this dark for you? Uh, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, I think anytime you're dealing with this, this topic, it's going to be a little dark. Okay. But all I'm, right. you know, I'm pale. I live in the dark. Nice. Uh, Jackson had to take a phone call. And I'm glad that it was a phone call because as I am like pouring my heart out here, you start looking down at your phone as if I don't notice every fucking artery or vein pumping you know, from my trained eyes sitting at poker tables for 14 hours at a time. And I'm going, my God, I'm pouring my heart out to this motherfucker and I'm about to go over there. But it was sound story guest waiting in the lobby and you had to take the call. I did. Because I'm like, if this guy's like plow hawking and iggying <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> no, no. mid I'm going to be like, Jackson and who I thought he was. No. So you had to take the call. So that is why we now have this awkward edit. But it's honesty in media. Yeah. Yeah, hey, well, listen, that's uh, that's sometimes the business, and, you know, you, you take a phone call, I have to take a phone call, that's and we right. got it done. So, all is good. So, I, so you know, and, I, and then we pause, and then I had, to, I had to make a phone call. Jackson's back. I used the little wizard's room. See Moon from the Riz Show. Yep. Uh, see one of the promotions people start bullshitting with them. So, I'm back in here. Here's the thing. Everything I'm saying, I mean. So, it's not like I'm like, oh, good, I'm glad Jackson had to take a phone call because now it pulled me out. I've been, th- this is easy for me to spit because it's what I've been thinking for a long time, especially, it was already kind of that way, and then then you have Leon pass, and I realize to the audience, people know Jeff Burton, they know Jay Randolph Jr., because he was a private citizen relative to not being on the radio in St. Louis, uh, you know, but I lost another friend, and it's just bang, 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 and you're going, holy shit. And so when Todd Bono sends in this email, which he has wanted me to discuss, you know, six times about death, I'm like, yeah, today is probably the day. Because I was thinking about talking about it, not that email, but I was thinking about talking about it because it's been on my mind and it's been on my wife's mind. Oh, God, now I'm going to start getting... But um, it just it just drives it home and it makes 
me go, fuck, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, because I'm sitting here going, okay, we got a nice situation here, but I feel like I could be happier there. Yeah. But then I, in order, order to do that, I would have to leave the situation here, at least as things are currently set up. And even if, even if they said, okay, you can go ahead and, and move down there, it still changes the dynamics of not just, because I did the show for six months from there. Um, in what January twenty one, December twenty one to June of twenty one, right? But then the dynamic, I'd I'd fly back and forth. I would imagine that's what I would do. And anyway, th- it's not like we're on the verge of doing this. To be crystal clear, um, but I think what happens is there people operate on the premise that well, I'll work until X, and then I will enjoy. And what has happened here over the last five months has driven home what I think is a great lesson. Is it dark? Perhaps. But I think it's healthy to discuss as opposed to internalize it all, which is there is no guarantee that I get to whatever age it is. And it's just something that I have to come to terms with. I know when I went back and forth on leaving KMOV in 2005, it owned me for months leading into that decision. And the reason was not because I enjoyed the job or I even made that much money, but because from 1997 or eight, all the way until that day, it was what I thought was my dream job. And now at 27, 8 years old, whatever it was, I'm leaving my dream job. And then you go, well, then if there isn't that to shoot for, then what am I going to be shooting for? But for a variety of reasons, I wanted to leave. And I remember my dad telling me, Timmy, don't leave. Can't do that. Because he looked at radio. Now he acknowledges now I was right. TV stable radio and he's like here, here's a guy who was general sales manager KF and he's like radio you know it's a shitty deal and I'm going TV is dying and I you know I'm not I'm not spiking the football to me it was obvious it's not it's not some wizard like thing but local TV news was dying it was obvious and I felt like we had something and I didn't want to work seven days a week but I feared I didn't fear leaving KMOV I feared regretting leaving KMOV, and I think there's a difference. And so that is what I am, what's in my mind now because of what has happened with Jeff Burton, Jay Randolph Jr., and Leon Williams. That is, that's what's in my, on my mind. And so when somebody sends an email wanting to talk about death, fine, I'll talk about it because it has been on my mind. To talk about it before, it would have been artificial surface-level shit. So this is going into the weeds on it because I am thinking about it. And I think about my sons, and that's the part. That's the part that, that's what. That's what's everything. If it was just me and my wife, you know, there'd be a line around the block if I'm gone. You know, she'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but I think about my boys. That's what I think about. Right. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to just just dismiss, you know, leaving, you know, my wife. Cause I mean that we've had that kind we had that conversation. My God, she goes, please don't leave me. Not like in a marital word, but like, cause we just saw what had happened. Mm-hmm. And of course it's not under anybody's control. Right. But holy shit. 
it just, it's so, you know, I text with Amy, Jay's longtime girlfriend. And what happens with this, and I bet a lot of you can relate to this, is there is this rush of perhaps almost too much support, if there can be such a thing, immediately. Right. What can I do? Let me know if I can do anything. Let me know if I can do anything. Then there's the, the wake. Then there's the funeral. Then there's the post-funeral whatever. And then there's the silence. And that's the toughest time. Now, I haven't lived it, but I've seen it. I've heard Amy, my communication with Amy, talking about it, but it's not, you know, I remember seeing it with my mom when her mom died. Um, and so it's like, okay, I got to make sure I'm, I'm there for, for a, 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 Amy is a fa- mem- member of the TMA family does not stop when we handed her the Jay Randolph Jr. Good Guy Award. Right. My responsibility is to make sure I am texting with Amy as often as possible still, because I know that the rush of support, nobody's doing anything wrong. It's human nature. It starts to fade away. And so... I think about all of these things when I saw Leon's wife on Saturday with two kids and it's just, it's so raw right now because of everything that has happened. So I think talking about it is healthy. I think not talking about it is, I suppose it's it's a pleasant, it's a, it's a more pleasant way to go. It's kind of like being religious and believing that you're going somewhere afterwards. What a wonderful way to, if you truly, truly, truly believe it, my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm truly envious of that. Mm-hmm. I'm envious of that. I don't feel that way. I think it's the Sopranos. I think it goes black. That's where I am. So, uh, yeah, if I go, you know. This is what I think. So, so, we're, so, <laughs> right. we're, so we're on the record in case right, somebody right. tells you that I think otherwise. This is what I think. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that'll change over the next uh, few years or decades. But this is where I am. But I know plenty of people don't think that way. And good for them. Yeah. Again, I'm just not trying to legislate your life by electing people who think the way I do to Congress or Senate or president. Right. That's the difference between me and many of the people who see it the other way. Yeah. For whatever particular reason that has gone on recently. Uh, so, Jackson, uh, Todd, you wanted an answer. You probably got way more than you bargained for, but that's where I am. What do you think, Jackson? Now you're going you're gonna to really go honest to your media here. Lay into me. Lay into me. Yeah, I think I acknowledge that it is healthy to talk about stuff like this, and I can also acknowledge that I don't like talking about it. I think there's, you know, that's the, the dichotomy for me is like, you know, I understand that we all die. I understand that one day my parents will die, all my friends, myself, everyone I know. That's just how the life cycle works, and it's extremely natural. I just don't like talking about it because, and I've talked about this before, but death is an infinite thing. You're dead. Once you're dead, you are dead. There's uh, until they invent technology to bring you back. What's your afterlife opinion? I think it probably is like The Sopranos where it just goes black, but I like to think, I like to think that there is something more, that that moment, that last moment of your existence when all the what the chemicals called and people use it outside of that, but the chemical releases DMT in your brain and it makes things slow down. That's what people say, like your life flashes before your eyes. Uh, I think I like to think that that goes on forever. That feeling goes on forever, and that you know your consciousness lives on. Um, while I probably acknowledge it's not what's going to happen, I like to think of it that way. Makes it easier to digest it all, and uh, I don't like to think about it just because. I've talked about this before, like death is so infinite. It's infinite. You are dead, you are dead. Our minds work 
finite. Our, our minds are finite. We can think about things to a certain extent. We don't really understand infinity. We don't understand right. what the rest of existence is like. My son asked me the other day, what's the last number? I said, do you know what the last letter is? And he goes, Z. I go, no, nah, not bad. Kind of a little surprised <laughs> by that. Very good. Uh, and he goes, what's the last number? I said, it's infinity. He goes, what's infinity? I go, fuck, I got to pack a lunch for this now. Right. I never, and I agree. I can't, I can't, I, I can't understand it. And here I'm trying to explain it to a five-year-old. Exactly. We can't understand infinity. We can't understand forever. And so to spend time or think about it to an extent, to me at least, feels like futile. Like it feels futile for me to try to understand death. So I, I'd rather just not talk about un, acknowledging that it's going to happen, acknowledging it's probably healthier to talk about it and, and to be more open about I, but it. But I think when you say that, I think, I think it's, for me it is, but that's how I am. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, who do we consider to be like the happiest person going? I don't know, for whatever reason, Randy character. I don't necessarily, <laughs> but that's who popped into my mind. It's like right. Dan Aykroyd with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That's who popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. I had to go with it. Yeah. Like Randy character doing a podcast talking about death would be like, people go, what the fuck happened to Randy? Mm-hmm. People tune in and hear me doing it and go, well, there he is. <laughs> you know, it's what, he, what else would he be talking about? But that that's, you know, it, it, so you, um, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you're closer to me or to Randy Carricker. I'm talking not like closer, but like in behavioral. Uh-huh. But it's just, it might not be who you are. But uh-huh. this this gentleman I'm talking to, and we were talking about the death clock. I think he was talking about Tim Ferriss has it. Not yeah. the death clock, but go ahead. The death clock thing is kind of what I was alluding to. Okay. Like, I think your reasoning behind, and the person who explained it to you, the reasoning behind it, I think makes sense. I just wouldn't want to ever have that. So it, the reason we got on it is he was telling me there was this service. He's down in, in the, on the Atlantic coast of Florida. It's where he lives. And he goes, hey, if you're interested, I just did this thing, and it's starting up, and you can go in, and you can get a scan of everything. And it's it's either preemptive, preventative, depends on if it's too far. To, and they will check for everything. It's not covered by insurance yet. It's brand new. And it costs this much money, and you know, I know you always want to get down here, so it could be an excuse to go down here for the weekend and get this process done. And he goes, interesting, I was telling my, I don't know who he said, his brother, his friend, and he goes, my brother, we'll just say it was his brother, said, I wouldn't want to know if I had something. You know, it's mm-hmm. like going to the Mayo Clinic and finding out if you have, you know, something. Some people just wouldn't want to, it, it, it just depends. My mom, I believe, so, I still haven't done a sound story with my mom. And I think one of the reasons is is because she and I and I've been trying to get it with uh, some of my wife's family members as well. I've already interviewed her parents, but some of her dad's uh, family members. Uh, that if people associate it with a morbid thing, which honestly it never it never crossed my mind. Now when we started it, we started at the end of 2019, and then COVID happened in March 2020. And I'm like, we just need to put this thing in the corner because mm-hmm. I cannot talk about it now because it would sound like it's an opportunity thing and it would be grotesque to market it at this particular moment where older people are dying mm-hmm. from covid the the truth is as we know is my first one was november 2019 we didn't even know what the fuck covid was right but still you're aware you read the room so to speak and you go okay sound story is on the shelves and i didn't do another one in person i think until like august of 2021 yeah I remember like okay. the first kind of one. Whenever it was like kind of when you came back from Florida, right? Yeah, because I was gone for for those six months. So for some people, it's just morbid and uncomfortable. I bet for some people, they're just going to go oh, fuck this podcast. I don't want to. I don't sure. want to go into this one. But it ha- it just so have Todd resent that email, which he has sent multiple times. So Todd, I'm acknowledging I got it, but I get a bunch of QFTA emails and I don't read them all. He just is the only one who just kept resending the same thing, and I'm just like it's going to be morbid. 
And on top of that, I'm going to give you like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I, the religion thing, I know I alienate people, even though I'm not saying, hey, why do you believe in God? I'm just saying, this is how I feel. I wish I am envious of those with faith, not this American version of Christianity to justify greed that is somehow, because I read the New Testament quite often going to Jesuit schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- what I read and what is now being preached as Christianity are two totally different things. I have no idea what the fuck this is, but I guess it's just a way to just justify fucking people around. Um, but like real Christianity, as in what the teachings of the, the literature are, uh, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I necessarily buy in. Right. But I welcome one to buy in. You're Jewish. If you're into it, God bless. And I'm agnostic. God bless. I, but if anything, I envy those who truly, truly have faith. My mom has incredible faith. My dad has faith. He really does. My parents, uh, my, my, my in-laws, I'm sorry, have it. And I'm envious of that. I don't have it. And I know for whatever reason, uh, it's uh, th- th- those who are passionate about it, not all, um, don't like when somebody like me talks about not sharing it. But I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying this is where I am. And also, I would love to get there, but this is where I am. I don't know what to tell you. So I didn't want to focus necessarily on religion. Here are my firsthand life experiences. They've been recent. You know of two of the people, most likely, with Jeff Burton and Jay Randolph Jr., and another one just happened over the holiday break, and that one was um, incredibly powerful because Jeff's, unfortunately, was likely for a while. Jay's was sudden, but Jay was at peace, and Jay's children were grown. Leon, younger than me, albeit just by a year, um, and I know his, his family's been at my house and he's playing catch with his son at my house last year. You know, I mean, it is, it is raw. Mm-hmm. It is raw, especially when every so often I sit there and I go, God, I'm like choosing career over happiness. And it's so fucking hypocritical. And am I going to regret that? See what I'm saying? That's why I tie it back to the KMOV thing. Like it would be, like people would be, but it's a different deal because when I left KMOV, there was not a a wife and two sons, so you can't go apples to apples. Right. So that's how I approach Todd's very fair question that I just really didn't want to touch on because I didn't really have a passionate feeling on it but because of everything that's happened. This is where I am, and maybe people like to listen to it. Maybe people are telling me to go fuck myself because I want to move from St. Louis. I don't know. But it's not anti-St. Louis. It's anti-St. Louis weather. It'd be anti-Kansas City weather. Right. It'd be, anti- It'd be anti-Nashville weather. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Anti-Chicago weather. Yeah. Anything basically north of the Mason-Dixon line, it's gonna be cold in the yeah. winter. But but even like like my parents have been going to Hilton Head since they got married in '74. I mean, they've been going. That's where they honeymooned when it was like nothing. It gets a little chilly in the winter. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, I've been like, there. Timmy, come on down. He goes, you know, you can't go in. The, you know, you go golf. It's gonna be a little cold. You know. Like, yeah, that's the thing. And then you just go down like about five hours yeah. and it's 70 degrees. 75 degrees with no humidity in no ridiculous restaurants and bars. And contrary to what people think, not like, don't get me wrong, it's not like it's, you know, Lincoln Park in Chicago, but there are a larger number of young people there. Yeah. And we're just happy there. And if somebody's happy, like at the Lake of the Ozarks, not my thing, but I know plenty of people love it. Well, nobody goes, Tim, you got to go. They just go, we like it. And I go, God bless. Not my thing. I like Jupiter. Not your thing. Great. And if you want to say it's too hot there, it's fine. You probably really haven't been there in the in the summer, but it's if that's the way you can tell yourself that I shouldn't go there, whatever works. Or there are there hurricanes, because that really is a real thing with insurance going up down there. But for me and for my wife, I see pictures of that place. 
and it, it, it feels like home. And I have a tough time. It's like if I, it's like if a girlfriend I miss. That's when I see that. And I'm like, oh. And like my heart like does something. Yeah. And I'm going, what the fuck am I doing? So that's a tough thing. And how it ties into this is I go, okay, I'm on the clock. And I might be talking about it more than the average 46-year-old, but because of what has taken place, it is on my mind. And um, I don't know. Maybe this resonates with people. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, Jackson. I think I think anytime this topic is always interesting because everybody, I think, thinks about it relatively differently. Some people are more like me, probably just don't want to think about it. Other people want to think about it more because, you know, for whatever reason. I just, I think it's interesting because, you know, it's something that happens to everybody. Everyone eventually passes away. Everyone eventually, and then the cycle continues. And it's kind of, you know, what do you want to accomplish in your life? What do you want to do in your life before the buzzer sounds, in a sense? And you can try to control everything. But like you said, family comes along. Then you have to manage yourself differently. It changes the game. Yeah, and so many variables change. I mean, variables change year by year, month by month, day by day. So... Well, I think uh, it's just I think it's a very interesting topic due to the way that things change and the way that people perceive their own mortality. Mm-hmm. I think it's all like so relative too, and I don't think that there's an unhealthy or healthy way to go about. I it think it's, it's I truly think it's a case by case. I'm living it with my parents. My mom, I feel like just under no circumstances wants to talk about it. Okay, my dad. I, I I almost don't. If I'm over there, sometimes Jameson will be playing around in the basement with my mom. And then me and my dad will just have football and we're just bullshit. And my God, that should be a podcast. Uh, Timmy, I'm telling you, if something happens to me, make sure you pull the plug. I don't want to be sitting there doing that shit. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 my dad, yeah. you know. And he goes, I'm on the back nine. I work my ass off. I just want to sit there at Hilton Head and look out at the golf course and feel like it was all worth something. And I go, God, I totally get it. And when he said, I think it was last year, because he's obviously losing some friends. He's 75 now. Yeah, he'll be 76 this year. Uh, and he, he said, you know, the shame of it is, I think one of his friends who was a little younger passed away. He goes, you work your ass off to get to this point where you can enjoy things, and then oftentimes you can't enjoy them for health reasons or you pass away. And that hit me, just like these passings this year. And to me, it's like this stuff, like some people feel with religion. To me, to me, this is undeniable. To me, this is undeniable. These are facts, whether one is religious or not. These are facts, and I don't know how one can't think that way. But again, I recognize, A, I have young children, and B, um, I took the drug. I didn't know I was taking the drug. I wish I would have never gone down to Jupiter, Florida in the winter. Wish I would have never done it. Like long, like we used to go down there for a week to do TMA from the picnic bench. But that was the drug. And once you take a taste of it, I've never been addicted to anything in my life. Somehow, I have no idea how. I'm lucky because I would smoke when I would drink, but I wouldn't smoke when I was just like hanging out. Never, I, you know, like the idea of a cigarette now grosses me out. Booze, drugs, gambling. I don't know what else people get addicted to. You, you hit pretty much all the all big right. ones. Somehow, you know, but this one I am, and I hate it. You know, I don't want to say I'm addicted to it, but I'm like, okay, there's something, there's a part of me missing, and I hate counting days, like just wanting to get through them, because that's not living. Mm-hmm. That's not living. And that's why it strikes me. I'm going, okay, shit, my buddy just passed away. Jay just passed away. Burton just passed away. Holy shit. 
you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. There it is. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a bunch more, too. Fuck, I'll go ahead and do it. All right, yeah, Martin, good. this is where I'm... You got to experience Martin Kilcoin. I've said it on the podcast before. I hesitate to say it because it's it becomes a it becomes a compare and contrast, and then people, you know, whoever's not around, you want to, you want to be glorified, leave TMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you want to you want to have your legacy all of a sudden be much greater than you actually are. Don't be on the show anymore. Uh, it's a, it's a phenomenon. With that all, with that all, because right now the show sucks right now. I've been reading that the show sucks for 19 <laughs> fucking years. Now, with that said, uh, I have said that for my money, which is not a shot at anyone, to be crystal clear, Martin Kilcoin is the most talented person if you're going, if you're checking off all of the tools who I have worked with. And I'm including, by the way, Artie Lang, you know, so I'm going, I'm talking about anybody I have done a show with, you know, wasn't just like in like Kevin Nealon dropping by for a hit, like sitting and doing a show with and getting to know off the air and so on and so forth. Uh, Martin's wit is as quick as Artie's for real. I mean, I would sit there and just go, I'm in awe of it. And the cat could could fire quickly. What separate and Doug, to me, people say, Doug is the funniest motherfucker. Doug's sense of humor, as we were just talking about, is different though than Martin's. Right, right. And I don't know how to describe it. I've obviously worked with both, but they're different. But both crack me up. Oh yeah. Like Doug's, however, is like it's so dry that I can I I usually don't break. Martin comes in and it's like I'm riding a Sibian <laughs> and I'm bouncing all over the place. Yeah. And I think it's because He's so cutting. Martin's like a roast master. Yeah. But if Doug were roasting somebody, it wouldn't work. Doug's and more if, folksy. Doug's got that, some I mean, f- that's what it is. Folksy. I can't figure it out. So that folksy. gets to the, this question. that I, I, I started a QFTA thread on the TMA fan page, and Hall of Famer for QFTA, Timmy Recaps, poses this question. And I, I this is where I was starting off the podcast, and then, of course, we went into death. <laughs> Just fucking cut up the Adderall and let's go. Is it therapeutic, triggering, or a little bit of both? having people like Martin pop in to share old war stories that you'd forgotten or had aired on the side of professional caution and not telling. Seems so silly, but seeing as how invested your listener base is, segments like the one you had this morning are absolutely electric. It truly feels like you guys are having an off-the-record conversation while allowing the listeners to eavesdrop. Do you fear backlash or criticism sharing that stuff? Is there any sort of omerita or sense of loyalty to local media not sharing some of those stories on air? Do you feel a bond with the people that went through that stuff with you? Those behind-the-scenes stories and insights are baffling, shocking, hilarious, and sad all at the same time. That segment today was downright hilarious. Uh, so a lot there, which is why uh, Timmy Recaps is a Hall of Famer for QFTA. Before I go into those, your because that was the first time you was that the first time you met Martin? Yes. Okay. What do you think? You, just like you said, like it, 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 I had the same feeling when we had Rich Gould on uh, last year or twenty twenty one sometime. We had Rich Gould on. We were KFNS. And it was like we were doing 30 minutes with a comedian. And that's what I felt like when Martin yeah. came in. Just like immediately, like from the second he walked in, cracking wise and being like, like you said, like cutting is a really good word because it's. And it's so quick. And some of it you had to really be paying attention which to, is right which is kind of like, yeah, like the Larry Sanders show. Like that's why it wasn't a show for the dumbs. Right. You know, you had to catch it. You have to catch the little Which things. was so great. Yeah. The, so here's, I guess I'm trying to give you why, I, why Martin for me is. I, I put him in a in a category of for real. He, he is Straussian 
Joe Strauss, Joe Straussian in his credible descent. Mm-hmm. And Martin, uh, when we had the memorial service for, for Joe Strauss, he, he spoke. And I remember I was, I don't know what you would call it, whoever handles a situ- master of ceremonies for the memorial service. And I remember looking at the cat when Martin got done doing it. And I said, because the cat and I would usually joke about it. And I said, Martin really is the best the cat, even though there's like, a, you know, however many people in the church. Uh, because we had both said it so many times. He right. really is the best. But when I say that, that isn't like a shot at take your pick of whomever because he is willing to be critical of local organizations, which is so rare. Strauss was, but God loves Strauss. Strauss didn't also have like the rich Gould. Right. So Martin is like Strauss and Rich Gould. Right, combined, yeah. And Artie Lang, I mean, with the quickness of the wit, I mean, he's just... He's a, he's just so good, and it's in a way it's a shame that uh, what happened with the morning grind and Barrett, as Martin told his side of the story, which matches up with my side of the story because <laughs> it is the truth. So it's not really tough to tell the story <laughs> of that day in the vault at KFNS when he quit the show. But then Martin himself goes, "The thing is, the show's better now that I'm not on it." <laughs> and the, and I don't I don't know. It's it's totally different. I mean, right. Martin was the point guy. Doug wasn't on it. And so you have this revisionist history of the way, like, apparently the show was the second coming of the Stern show all the way up until recently. And then, like, in a couple years when somebody's not on the show anymore, the 2022-2023 TMA was the greatest show ever, and we missed that part. It's, it's a cycle, because I've lived this since 2004. When Martin left the show, though, I can tell you this, and that was October of 2006, the cat's like, well, that's it. That's the end of the show. And the cat night is different on that. I didn't believe that. Now, that is, to be clear, that is not, because I just fucking said, Martin is, from my standpoint, the most talented person I have worked with when you include, like, the the willingness, because everybody's got the ability, but you got to have the willingness to be critical. you got to have the willingness, because that takes some balls. Uh, and then the talent, the natural talent with the, the cutting edge, and then also you have to be talented as a broadcaster just to be able to convey thought. Um, I didn't believe that was the case. And then when Doug came in and auditioned in... November of 2006, I remember going to the cat. I go, shit, there's the guy. That's it. Right. There really isn't much. I mean, they have other people coming in and auditioning, but I mean, that's it. That's the best the show has been. And that was what the show was going to be. And Jason Barrett, I don't know if he tells a different version of this. This isn't personal. It's just the truth. You know, don't get me wrong. I got plenty of things I wish I wouldn't have done in my life. Um, I think there's been some revision as to what really happened, but he he was trying to keep the cat. That's that is something that Jason and Jason has proven that to me. And I don't really have any ill will against Jason Barrett at all. Actually, I, when he was here, I walked up to him right away and shook his hand and said hello. Uh, his list of shows I don't buy into, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and we might be on it this year. I still don't say the same. Thing. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change it doesn't change it. Right. Uh, and if anybody wants to trade their public numbers on revenue and downloads, I'll be more than happy to trace Cox, uh, and we'll see where the rankings really are. But with that all said, uh, he met with me and said, all right, the cat's out. And I go, I'm going, I thought we were, I was a meeting here to bring Doug Vaughn on the show. We're Jay Bucks and Clayton. That's where we're meeting. And I'm bringing in a guy named Bob Fesco. And I go, who in the fuck's Bob Fesco? Nothing against Bob Fesco, but who's Bob Fesco? Right. I've been working and like bleeding with these guys, not just Martin and the cat, but also producer Joe. And now they're all gone in a matter of four months. And now you're bringing on a guy I've never heard of who, a little, because I wasn't even thinking about Fesco at the time. I'm going, 
this I look back on it, he was doomed no matter right, what. Right. It was yeah, he was in a bad spot. It's kinda like whoever replaces Dan McLaughlin on the broadcast, I'm like, this poor motherfucker right. is gonna have a, quite a situation. It's gonna be brutal. And so I'm going, What in the world are we doing? And we were walking out, and Jason goes, well, if this doesn't work out, it's going to be on me. And we were walking to the parking lot. I, I'll put my memory up against anybody's. That's what he said. So when it didn't work out, the, the move was to then blame me. That's what wound up happening. Whatever. Fine. Obviously, things have worked out. But that's what really happened. It didn't work out, though, not because of Bob specifically. It wouldn't have worked out if it was just me and Jim Hayes. Mm-hmm. The show needs the group. I know how to cook the meal because I gave birth to the baby, so I know the program. And so when you start fucking with my baby, you know, you got to kind of butt out. Right. And so with this, it was it was a disaster. And so, yeah, they're, they're you know, he asks, is it therapeutic triggering or a little bit of both? I've lived it, and it's been rough. I was on the phone the night with the cat that he got fired. I was crying. I wasn't bawling. But I'm like, because I had to call Jim Hayes to tell him he was getting fired because Jason wouldn't do it. Now, I, Jason wouldn't do it not because he was a bad guy, but the way that people are usually fired, probably for HR reasons, is in person with an HR person present. And he was telling me, kind of like, hey, we'll be in the trust tree, that after the show tomorrow, I'm going to part ways with Jim Hayes. And I'm going, the way I look at it, we've bled together. I'm not going to sit across from the man knowing you're going to pop him after the show and act like everything's cool and then go and then have to like act like I didn't know after right, the show. Right. It's just dishonest. Right. So either he finds out from, from you tonight or from me tonight. That's not heroic. That to me is just human. And so I wound up having to be the one that Jim Hayes, tell Jim Hayes he was getting fired. Uh, yeah, that was, that was not pleasant. Right. Forget the fact that then I'm working with somebody a week or two later when Bob started who, I had, who hadn't met up until like three or four days before we started the show, and we just didn't have the chemistry. There are people, this, this hallway that I'm looking out on, right now I see the 106.5 uh, studio and the KC95 studio, which is right next to the 101. There are plenty of people here who I truly, I mean, there isn't anybody here we don't like, yeah, actually, who I couldn't do a radio show with. Right. But that doesn't make me bad or them bad or whatever. It's just there's chemi- their chemistry. Yeah. yeah, and you can't just create chemistry out there. 100%. So when you have it, you seize it and you hold on to it with everything you got, which is why we've done it for so long. So what people heard today from Martin, whether it be about that or certainly about the last five years at KFNS, they're like, oh, my God. I saw Carlos Spicy winner, who's also HOF, go, Tim, I think you can write the book now. Martin just told everything. I go, I am re- I read that, and I go, brother, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Martin just wrote the preface. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. Yeah. That's a description it, on the inside. You have, you have no idea. I mean, no idea. And I don't say that as tee-hee, I know something you don't know. The reason why I didn't talk about it, and I still don't talk about it, but why I didn't talk about it when we were there is because if I would have, people would have lost their jobs. So again, that's not heroic. It's human. Would people on the fan page have jerked themselves off into a frenzy if I would have gone through and gone? Sure, but you wouldn't have had Jim Hayes. You wouldn't have had Ken Strode. You never would have been hired. Pete would have been whacked. Seymour would have been whacked. Doug and I would have been sitting there talking to each other with, like, Lucas, the poor kid who was a board out for two days. That's what the show would have been yeah. because that's the way that the game was played. That's why I was always in the newspaper, not me. The station's being sold to Tim McKern. I'm going, is it really? Cause, you know, I mean, it's just—we just had to just— negotiate, by negotiate, I mean navigate a unique set of circumstances, which is why, going back to the earlier part of the conversation, 
I have such gratitude, and I want to make sure I vocalize the gratitude for the situation we're in now because it was not that. And I know you got to—I'm glad you didn't go through I'm glad any. I, I'm glad for anybody who didn't go through it. Um, I, I, and, and so I think Tim asked a question. Uh, do I fear backlash or criticism? No, because it all has. It's the truth. What Martin said was the truth. Right. And Martin, when we got off the air and I'm walking him out, and then he goes into a couple other stories. He goes, people take credit for this happened and this happened. He goes, I'm the one who made that happen. I go, oh, I know you did. <laughs> I go, I'm well aware of the story, and I know, you know, I know that this that, that happened. Um, and he's got plenty of other stories that he he kept. So the, the omerta is if you want to have trust, which is why producer Joe still, I mean, I haven't worked with him for a decade. It'll be a decade in March. And I still, like, I could pick up the phone right now. Still, like, he texts into the show. And I know with that guy, and I don't know why, because I, I can't I can't tell you why. I just know that if he needs something, he knows I got him. And if I need something, I know he's got me. Mm-hmm. And that was just something that we lived through together once you kind of, like I said, bleed together, for lack of a better term. Um, I think the thing that, I don't know if I would say fucked it up, because if it didn't happen, the show would have died. But the changed the game was when I took over as being the guy paying people's paychecks. And so now the dynamic, it, like, in my mind, it didn't change, but I think for other people it changed. Now I'm the quote-unquote boss, even though I didn't fuck with people and I let them do their thing because I knew how annoying it was to have people fuck with my stuff. Sure. Um, but again, if I didn't do that, the show would have died. And so we did what we needed to do. Is it a shame that some of these guys were, yes, it is a shame. It sucks. I mean, it sucks to have, it sucks to, have to live through it. I've said a couple times in, in bullshitting with people about it. In a way, I go, God, how much better would life have been if we didn't have to go through all of this stuff? But at the same time, we wouldn't appreciate what we have now right. had we not gone through it. I uh, had a conversation with the CFO of Hubbard yesterday for 45 minutes, which wasn't planned. And then we wanted, they were in town. They're just going to teach market. They have eight markets. And we wound up talking, and um, what a great guy, by the way. Uh, like a really just good guy, big sports fan, fan of major appreciator of what TMA is. Um, and we were talking about it. I said, the best way I can describe it is we went from playing for the Oakland A's to playing for the Yankees. And we're incredibly grateful because we didn't know what right. it was like. But we weren't angry that we were playing for the A's. It's just, hey, we're still happy that we're playing baseball. Right. But it would sure as hell be awfully tough to go from the Yankees to the A's. But all we've ever known is the A's to the Yankees. Or the A's, excuse me, and playing in Oakland. Yeah, you are the sum of your experiences. Your experiences shape who you are and what you have. And so to go without that, you don't get the appreciation. You don't get possibly the knowledge that you gain from shitty experiences like that. Right. So you are the sum of your experiences. And I think even though it was, it truly was, and I think, I don't know, I, I, I talk about writing something. I don't think, I honestly don't think I will. I don't. And then by the time I even would do it, most people would be like, okay, I don't fucking care anymore. Who are, the, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. So who knows? But yeah, it's point being because of that stuff that we all did live through, there is an appreciation for the now. But also, there's another side to that. Because of all of the stuff that we lived through, I also, while appreciating now, feel like at any moment the other shoe drops. Right, right, right. 
Like I don't go, okay, this is it. This is the happy ending. I go, this is the happy ending. And then in the final 30 seconds of the film, there's a little hint as to what's coming next. Yeah. You know, and who knows? Yeah. And that, that's how, unfortunately, I live. And I hate that I live that way. It's not pleasant. I don't think I necessarily exude that to, to you, Doug, or Iggy, or Plowhawk. But that's, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I, I've said that to Tommy. I'm like, yeah, you're probably going to have to fire me. You know, but I think in St. Louis Sports Talk Radio, they think of firings and they think of somebody like fighting somebody. You know, firings are oftentimes, hey, we got to let you go. Right. This, whatever revenue's down. And, you know, that, that's it's just, you know, that's the way that it goes. Fortunately for TMA, TMA is kind of its own thing and we can pick it up and go do it somewhere else. But what has been so pleasant is after the trials and tribulations that Martin spoke to, certainly uh, very colorfully, as <laughs> he is so talented as to do. Yep. It is great to be appreciated, but the appreciation is not something that we need. It's wonderful that we are cited as this example for Hubbard now, but um, I just like not being fucked with. <laughs> I, I don't need to be told that we're doing anything special because I, I feel like we're just five morons sit, sitting around bullshitting, so I don't think we are doing anything special. I just, I just don't want to be fucked with, or I don't want my people fucked with. Yeah, that's you know? the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and anytime I feel like especially in media, but in any job, like being happy, but also understanding that like things change and that it might not be like this forever is important. Kind of know Because you're appreciating it in the moment. Right. I think being, it's healthy. Being present, being appreciative in the moment is certainly key, but also keeping your head on a swivel and knowing that the future might not be as happy or, hey, it could be more happy. You never yeah. know. So understanding that I think is important as well as being happy in the moment. Yeah. I, I just, you know, so when, when the question is, do do you feel a bond with the people that went through that stuff with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I hadn't seen Seamar, the Sea Monster, yeah. and I don't know how long. I guess I think his last year was 2018, and he came to the the year-end awards at Harpo's. Mm -hmm. And even though we were, we were bullshitting, and then he on his own goes, boy, if we would have been doing this just a few years ago, it would have been me carrying everything in. And then said, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I came in here, and there were like 20 people working on it. Yeah, hustling. Hustling, too. Yeah. And I go, yeah. And, I, and, and, and so I'm grateful. But, yeah, I can't help but for, for CMAR. He'd still be in the business, mm -hmm. and he is so good, and he's he's so good in such a unique way with for TMA. He's almost he's, he's it's, it's like a guy who's an incredible basketball player playing baseball because for TMA his talents are, you know, wasted really because he's this ridiculous producer slash guest booker for a show that doesn't have guests and has no organization whatsoever. Right. Uh, Gangster Pete, Gangster Pete was passionate when he was hired passionate i can still picture meeting with him the first time he had written for inside stl years ago i know he comes off as he doesn't give a fuck and all of that but he was passionate he was he was so excited when the, the one time i really was buying the station uh he was so excited about that and the things that we were going to do and i was going to give him more responsibility because he's a sharp guy even though we kind of joke about him you know working on a trash truck uh he's a sharp guy i hate that joe at this point it's been a decade it's not like the wounds are fresh mm -hmm. i hear you um and he thinks of it one way, but if he would have been in this, he would not have. He right. would have left. Right. You know, um, the cat certainly, Jennings certainly, Martin certainly. All the, I mean, the, the cat. From my standpoint, you know, the people who have been on air on this show, who experienced the, I don't know, insanity. I guess. Um, we'll always have a, if we got together, you know, 
you, you, it will be instant entertainment. Just laugh, you laugh at it. Yeah, right. But that's the thing about Doug that makes him like the ultimate coworker, is because I recall something. Don't know what the fuck it was. It was a situation, and I texted Doug, and I'm like, "Oh God, is he going to be upset?" And he goes, "Okay, just another stupid thing we have to deal with that we'll laugh about in two months." And I go, "God, that's it. That's it. Right there. That's it." Let me bottle that <laughs> attitude up and share it with everybody because that is how people go, God, Doug was on for 30-plus years in television at the same place and on radio now for 15 years, and you never hear about Doug Vaughn either getting fired or wanting to, you know, causing a problem. Well, that's because of that attitude. So there's talent, but there's also the manner with which you handle adversity, which sounds like something you'd read like on a picture in an office building, you know, a corporate <laughs> in, industri- industrial park, you know, to jerk off people into conning them into thinking they're going to make, you know, a 2% raise at some point. But I can tell you it's a real thing because as somebody who's hired people and then also watched people get hired or fired, uh, that is something that management absolutely pays attention. You want to get your, your line off on Twitter or Dan Caesar's column, I mean, I hope it's worth it because everybody's paying attention yeah. and most people don't want that shit in their building, which is one of the reasons why this place doesn't have bullshit with regards to people fighting each other, or, you know, that kind of stuff. That, that, that's just, it's a, it's a happy group of, of people who, in our case, they've just been incredibly just, they just, yeah, you guys do what you want to do. It works. So why would we mess with it? I go, oh. It's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very basic. Yeah. But at the same time. Uh, it's incredibly true. I mean, I'm just going to play all the hits today Let's here. Do it. JV Golf Coach. Oh, I like that JV Golf Coach. DM'd me. This may have already been covered, but knowing what you know now, do you wish the fan page had never been created? I mean, we are we're going Mount Rushmore wow, topics today. Yeah. Yeah, this is the christening scene at the end of uh, <laughs> it's the Godfather. baptism scene. Yeah, they're taking care of everybody. Additionally, has the fan page been more hassle than it's worth, or has it been responsible for some of the growth and success of the show? It's from the JV Golf Coach. Jackson, before I say a word, what are your thoughts? As as we are, what, the two admins, correct? Yeah, yeah. We get the notifications from Zuckerberg. We do. And, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the fan, and we poke fun at it and people who post on there too much. Um, but I can tell you, and I think coming here opened my eyes more to it, it's a huge resource to have, what's there, 7,000 people on there? 7,000 people who, even if they don't listen to the show every day, are aware of the show and are fans and support uh, the sponsors and stuff like that. Having them all in one place is a resource, a great resource, and something to be very appreciative of because I'm sure a lot of radio shows across the country, just not just St. Louis, but everywhere, would love to have that resource so they could instantly reach out to maybe not 7,000 people who are checking their Facebook every day, but a large number of listeners at any moment. I would agree. I think that when when it's been, well, I mean, whatever it was, I feel like it was within the last year. It might have been within the last few months because I feel like I had to post something about, you know, some changing oh, the, rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my God, how much better has the experience been since we got rid of the politics? Oh, it's outstanding. I mean, that was... It was every night we would get a notification. A notification. Yeah. I would wake up as you right around four or five in the morning and there'd be like, this post was moved, this post was moved. Yeah. And in the, in the group quality, the group could get shut down. Yeah. So we had to make changes. Yeah. Um, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, very cliche, but you don't want to get rid of something because of a handful of right. problems. Something I've been hearing a lot lately, which is by no means cutting edge, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, I, you don't focus necessarily on what people think about you, 
you focus on what you think about them. Mm. And I think that comes just with time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if, if not even Tommy Mattern, who by definition is our boss, but if, I don't even, you know, somebody who works at 101 ESPN and not necessarily like a, you know, industry veteran like Randy Carricker, you know, somebody who I respect who does, like Anthony Stalter, for example, who's like a peer, mm-hmm. uh, he goes, hey, you know, I heard that. He goes, I know it's not my place, but I think that I respect Anthony Stalter. He does what he does. He knows or what we do. He He's in the field. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, obviously a Joe Buck, something like that. If it's somebody who... You go, okay, this person is always shitting on, take your pick. Me, you don't really get shit on much. Me, Iggy, whatever. Whoever it is. Right. Plowboy, I feel like we're the three biggest targets. Now that Doug isn't, now that we're not talking politics, although Martin made sure to bring it back today with QAnon Monthly or whatever it was that he saw was laying out in the lobby. Uh, That, yeah, yeah, they don't like me. And it's one of those things that's tough to explain. I've kind of had this conversation with KG and O-Town because mm-hmm. right now he's on the front end of it. Yeah. But if you buy into the bullshit now when it's good. You got to buy into it. It's bad. Ah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's a double-edged sword because right now he is beloved. Yep. Every motherfucker on this thing at one point was beloved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you still are. I don't think you got the right. I wasn't. I, I started out ice cold because, I, like you said before, anytime anyone leaves, it's like the yes, the, the show sucks. And, and and this person's not going right. to work. They don't work, and then you eventually right. become more familiar with everything and right. changes. And that will. I hope it doesn't happen for years and years and years, but inevitably it'll happen. Yeah. Inevitably it will happen. Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. And so it, it'll be. You know, the show's over. You know. And mm. I and I understand it because I. Saw it and lived it with Martin and then whoever else you would want to include in that over the years because at that point now you're including all the producers, you're including the cat, you're including producer Joe, board operators. Yeah. Hey, the bottom line is inevitably things change and people move on. Mm-hmm. And in most cases on TMA, on their own accord, um, like literally almost every single person who has ever been on the show. Uh, the cat had weird dynamics going on at KFNS mm. where it was an unfortunate set of circumstances that happened a whole hell of a lot that was a constant, not a constant, but it happened for real four or five times. Um, and uh, that was a that was a constant thing in Willie Springer. And unless I'm missing, that would be it. And the cat situation was, you know, as the cat has been very vocal about him and John Hadley. So it's a group of people that have some shared experiences um, and love the opportunity that we get to do this thing and make a living doing it. Right. Um, most of us are doing pretty well with it. Uh, you know, Iggy portrays himself as living in squalor. I think it's done. I think I, Doug and I have talked about it. We don't know what's real and what's not anymore. It's like watching Jim Carrey and, you know, Andy Kaufman. I don't know who's who anymore. Right. Uh, and there's, uh, was it Bob Zamuda? Is that the biggest name? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know who's in. <laughs> the today. Lounge singer. But I'm like, I think I know what he makes. And that's, you know, yeah. I don't know but, but whatever. Either way, um, you know, I know for 24, you're in a nice spot. 
And I and I love it. I love that. Like I'm not coming over here until everybody gets more money. It's the truth. It's, the truth. <laughs> it's, it's not just going to be me. It's got to be everybody. Nope. So that's the way that it's, that it's got to be. And they, God bless them here. That was, you know. So with all of that said, I've lived this. But I also know that everybody in the audience who's listening to this, or if you're posting on the fan page, you haven't lived it. So you don't know. And I can't be angry at somebody for not having my because my experience has been different than yours obviously i have more time uh they haven't had my experience so i can't get angry about it i think the thing on it that disappoints me i guess disappoint when i make myself available to answer anything there is no like if you're asking for tickets fuck off but if you want to ask a question about the show right email me or dm me i couldn't make myself more available And instead, it's like, yeah, I'm hearing this. And then I'll even, I'll even set the record straight. It's like, oh, I don't believe that. I'm, the fuck? I mean, do you want me to, like, go on a lie detector? Do you want to, like, bet me $10,000 that I'm lying? I'll do whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, so that that part, I don't know why, that, that how my credibility with some on that page has been called into question on some of these things. But I also, after a while, it's kind of like it's it's the cost of doing business. So what do you do? Do you get? Do you just? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's just, it's it comes with it. So I think, and understandably, again, because most people have never been in this spot, and now I can never go back to being kind of the way I was before I started doing this stuff. Even in TV, I didn't have an idea. I, I can't go back to what it was like to be to, to have never sat on the side of the desk of signing the paychecks. Mm-hmm. Once you have had those experiences, your perception changes. Yeah. There are some guys on there, for example, who have fought in the military. They have perceptions of issues that I can't possibly relate to. But I know this, they fucking did it. Right. So I'm sure as hell going to give their opinion on the topic a little bit more credibility than mine when I haven't done it. So, you know, I, uh, that as an example, right. a professional athlete. I mean, Edmonds, when I used to do the show with him, and I'd be like all worked up about the topic. He goes, well, the truth is we can't really talk about it because we don't, or we can't, we don't know because we're not in the clubhouse. And it would be so simple, and I'd go, God, he's 100% right, but you'd essentially just blew up the entire sports talk radio <laughs> I was industry. about to say, <laughs> like, that's, like, if you're right, like, that you're right, but also, like, we got to make a living here, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's it's one of those things. So I get it. I, I I would prefer that people, if they wonder about something, to ask me. Yeah. But I think if you don't like me or you don't like something on the show, it's more fun to just operate in what the actual narrative is as opposed to the actual yeah. truth. Speculation land. Yeah. And, you know, like, like for example, I don't really care to have guests on TMA, even though I know I could ask them questions. Because in my mind, I'd be like, ah, they can't really tell me everything. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I understand why people would go, oh, you can't. You can't go into detail on topics because you got to protect it. That was that was really the case in a major way from 2016 to 2021. It really was. It truly was. Because if I did say something or if anybody else said something, they would get whacked. And so the, the only way to get through it, and I had a contract that took me through 2021, and I had that contract going back to 2016, so I had to live through 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, okay? And I wanted, I said, I'll, I'll leave. You can, you can keep the money, by the way. I'm, I'll leave. Oh, no, we're going we're gonna to sign you an extension, big man. Okay, well, then, okay, then I guess I'll be here through the end of 2021, you know? And so, but I'll just, I'll just mind my P's and Q's because I don't want people to lose their jobs. Right. Again, 
doesn't make me heroic. I don't want praise. It doesn't deserve praise. If you were in my spot, you would have done the same thing. If Doug were in my spot, he would have done the same thing. I don't think twice about it. It's just you weren't in my spot. Right. And so you don't know. And that's the difference. And so I'd, I don't need, like I said earlier about Hubbard and, and what we like about it, I don't want to be praised at all. I'm just a fucking, you know, guy who wants to be left alone and play golf and have threesomes. Uh, but... Um, yeah, we, we, we had to deal with some shit and I think I, for whatever reason, I always go back to this Jackson. I think when it was published, what my, what my contract was, that was when my relationship with a part of the audience changed. It's also when not necessarily a bunch of people in St. Louis media, a couple, uh, and you can guess who they are, even though I know you know who they are, so you're not guessing, but I suppose in the audience, uh, had a lot of envy as opposed to like, oh man, that's good. We now know that that you can make that much money doing this is great. You should be happy. It's like if if whoever signs a huge contract, right, and you're another ball player, that's a market for. Oh fuck, this is great. Yeah. You won it. Like the Rizzuto show. I don't go, motherfucker. I'm like great for them that that thing has the success that it has. And, and Rizzuto, when he comes in at three a.m. and he busts his ass, and he like you know those. So I sit there and I think about that moment as being the moment that changed for a portion. And I, and I think that's where, like, the unrelatable stuff came from, and then it became, oh, I can't necessarily publicly show my support for Tim because then I'm kissing ass of the guy who is the guy, and it's not cool to be associated with the guy. It's not cool to be supportive of the guy. The cool thing is to kind of show that I'm willing to stand up to the guy, even though the guy doesn't really give a shit if you stand up to him. <laughs> Again, I want to play golf have threesomes, and be left alone. So you can critique me all you want, but just know I'm actually the one who's lived it, and I'm more than happy to tell you. Um, when it comes to the stuff at half and s or with Dan Marshall or with the stuff before that, I don't go into it because it's like it's over and there's no need to spike the football. I'd rather go Barry Sanders and just hand the football to the official and let people, if they think that we lost, be my guest. If they think that we won, be my guest. The people who actually matter know the truth, and I suppose that's what I mean. And by matter, I mean the ones who we're working for here. That's what I mean by that. But anybody who ever wants to engage in that conversation, I'm more than happy to have it. It just isn't the way... Um, I feel like it's, if I can say, I say it, and it, it doesn't matter. There was one time, the Plowhawk got fired, I say there was one time, it happened multiple times. <laughs> March of 2019, a real low point, because I was leaving Jupiter, heading back to St. Louis, um, after being down there for two months, always depressing. And the night before, I believe, the Plowhawk got fired again, and a guy overnight posted and just laid into me and blamed me, which I, if anything, I kind of appreciated it because he said what I could tell was not being said. Uh, I was getting I blamed. You see yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he's apologized to me a hundred times, I'm like, hey, at least you have balls to say it. I mean, I kind of <laughs> respect that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I wrote a response explaining everything. And it's like, it's just like, it was like, it might as well have just been written on, you know, <laughs> yeah, on... Twitter account with like three followers. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just told you guys. Yeah. Everything that happens. This is what you're looking for. This right. Is, this is what you're looking for. And, and it's like, I guess it doesn't fit with the narrative. It's like right. the first time I talked about b paying for the cat's salary to bring him back in 2017 and offering to pay my uh, more money again to bring the Plowhawk back in 2019. And I, it, well, that doesn't necessarily fit the narrative. And then I had a friend of mine who went golfing with a bunch of guys and they, they went to Dalhousie and he goes, I didn't know what to make of it, but they were all sitting there shitting on you. 
And I go, yeah. I said, I don't know what to say. He goes, it was really weird. <laughs> I go, I don't know. I can't, I, you know. It's, it's, so so. what's your choice if you're in my spot on that stuff? Right. You shut the fan page down? Fuck no. Because 99% of the people are great. Bingo. So you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's what I mean by that. Yeah. And as you said, it is wonderful to be able to communicate. Yeah, it's a huge resource. With the audience when it's not Twitter, where it's people just creating burner accounts right. who are there to just try and start shit. Right. It's real people interacting with real people. It's not the morning after STL, Twitter, Instagram account. Right. Interacting with people on burners, it's me, Jackson Burkett, Tim McKernan, Doug Vaughn, Iggy Strode, Darren Atkins, talking to the actual with, people. Right. And that's huge. Such a huge right. resource. Right. So, so it's not that. And then you go, well, you don't like it. Well, then what's your choice? You can stop. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But, I mean, I love doing this show. I love doing this show, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to just stop because cause this, is, this is part of the game. If you... And I realize how many people are actually going to get into this business, but part of getting into this business is catching hell. Mm-hmm. Gangster Pete on his last day. What did he tell you? I love this little fun fact for no one tell that Gangster Pete told you his counsel. You cannot worry about the opinions of people who do not know you personally. Right. And and that is that that should have been taught at Missouri Journalism School. Mm-hmm. But the 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 thing about it is. I'm grateful for it all because you can't pick and choose. Mm-hmm. It comes with the territory. If right. you get a show that has a following, getting your ass lit up by strangers, and sometimes not strangers, but most of the time it's people creating anonymous accounts because, you know, they're very tough, is is this experience. This is what comes with it. If you start to do well in this business, it this is what comes with it. It's just the way that it is. And... The best way to handle it, from my standpoint, is to just fucking ignore it. Yeah. Which sounds terrible because it's like, you know, the sticks and stones will break my bones is what it sounds like. I don't say it necessarily that way because then it's, then it's a little a rhyme for a, a, you know, 10-year-old. I say it this way. You can't win. Yeah. You yeah. cannot. Remember Burt Kaufman when I was dealing with the uh, Jack Clark, Albert Pujols thing, and there were people saying things that were 100% factually wrong. And he goes, well, Tim, you know, you can't win an argument with a liar. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, the liar will just always lie, so you can't win. And I go, God, this motherfucker. He's like Yoda, yeah. you know? <laughs> and he's the same. And I'm like, he's 100% right. And it just kind of gave me peace. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Why, why, like, why even, why even yeah. argue with the person who says, I just, and then he's also the same one who said, well, I just always find myself, I don't want to waste time on something that has no upside. And I go, oh, God. Two for two. I mean, I'm just, I'm, and it's been a decade yeah. since that, and I go, I still use those things. Like, what is the upside? And now a lot of people around me think the same way, and I didn't come up with it. Bert Kaufman came up with it. Like, I know my wife. I go, yeah, I mean, I can do that, but what, what do we get out of it? If I, like, what's the point? Like, yeah. I, you're going to get that rush of gratification for doing it, but who fucking cares? Like, exactly. I'm going to get a one-liner off on Twitter? What am I going to do with that? We're going to pay the mortgage with that? Fuck off. Right. And it could end up damaging. Hundred percent. So yeah, it's. I heard I heard something very similar what Burke Kaufman said on a TV show is like, you can't argue with like bad people or liars because they'll take you down to their level and they'll beat you with experience. And so there's no point of even doing it. You know, you can't win. You're exactly right. There's nothing that you could say out there. People are gonna be like, well, there it is. You know, victory. You know, give you a check mark. It's not how it works. You just let it. Well, the people who celebrate that are also the people who are still at that that same kind of level. Right. Oh, do you see how like troll used to be a negative? Now it's considered a, a, a yeah, positive. Yeah, you see how badge the, of the, honor. The, the Florida Gators account trolled the Florida State account. I go, wow, that's 
Nice. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Um, but but I've, I've said this about two people who I know, and we've talked about a little earlier in the podcast, Joe Buck and Artie Lang. When Joe, have you seen that segment? I mean, you were 11 when it happened in 2009. I've seen a picture of, like, the screenshot. Of, oh, you of... really ought to watch that segment on YouTube. Holy oh. shit. Joe couldn't win, not because Artie's quicker than him. Joe's quick as fuck. Right. Joe couldn't go down where Artie could go and play. And that is my analogy for Twitter. Yeah. You, how do you how do you beat a burner? Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not playing on the same field. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I yeah. just it, it impacts in no way. But here's the thing, and that's why I keep saying you're so dangerous because you're learning all of this stuff, not just from me, from Doug, from some great people around this building. Absolutely. At 24, mm-hmm. to kind of go, yeah, I I I might not necessarily this might not be the way I necessarily feel because a lot of it is human nature to resent it and want to respond. But you know from people who have lived it, and you have the demeanor to be calm, to listen to that, to not engage, because even though you may want to engage, you know, because you've been told, there's just no yeah. there's no upside. So you handle it the right way, which I would imagine most people at 24, not because people at 46 are better, but just because I, at 24, would have... You're more, you're more impulsive. And, 100%. And trust me, there's been time where, boy, would nothing, sure. nothing be sweeter, but you're right, you instant gratification. Exactly. There's no... Write the email out, don't hit send. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak enough of write the email out and don't hit send. Yeah. Big, big advocate of that one. That was one that I, I've now since seen people talk about and I didn't know at the time. But uh, to just, if you want to get it out, yeah. get it out. Right. But then don't allow it to take you down. So, you know, with regards to the fan page, you know, I, I think I th- I, people keep telling me, oh, you have burners on there and you guys don't, you know, you talk about not letting burners on there. I mean, we'll, we, we'll do as much of a check as you would like us to do. But I don't, I don't, for me with it, if I'm going to be reading things that are negative, I just don't read it. That's the way I handle it. So mm-hmm. now when people go, oh, I know that like Gary Pinkus, I just don't read it. And I go, oh, he's full of shit. There's not a doubt in my mind he didn't read it now. Now I kind of, yeah, because number one, it's going to be negative. Yeah. And like I was saying with like the analogy with, with KG and O-Town, for example, if you're going to buy in when it's good, then you got to buy in when it's bad. Right. So that's number one. And then number two, the people who are saying it, and it's, they're not doing anything wrong. I mean, when we're sitting here pontificating on Missouri football, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. We just don't. Right. We're not and we're giving our surface-level opinion of watching it on television like the other people, but there might have been an injury. There might have been—who knows? So he also would be reading the opinions of people who don't know. But you can't be mad. If anything, you should be grateful that they're fans. And that is how I would describe myself with reading stuff about the show. But if I know it's going to be negative— why would I, right. and it has zero impact on yeah, the show, right. like why would I then subject well, myself to yeah. reading something that's going to be negative or, or something that's just a, a false narrative? So, so I don't know, but you want people to be engaged. The moment people don't give a shit is the moment you have a show that is going to be on life support and then eventually will die. So that's why I keep going to, it's the cost of doing business and I am comfortable with it. Do I enjoy it all? 
No, but I also recognize it's the cost of doing business. Do I enjoy paying my mortgage? No. Do I like having a house more? Yes. Therefore, I shall pay the mortgage. And that is how I would describe the analogy to the people who haven't necessarily been in the spot. And many of you have the same set of circumstances with your careers. Plenty of things that you probably don't like or people you don't like, but you just have to navigate it. Our shit just plays out in public and then has been written about like it's a soap opera. When in reality, it's just motherfuckers are just doing a show, and it isn't as dramatic as it can get written about. Yeah. But that's Randy Carriker <laughs> Were you in the studio today when he said no, that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. He was in there. I think Carrie might have been in there, and Rocky was in there as we were going in to do the 101 show. And he goes, you know, minus boom and boom, he goes, everybody in St. Louis sports media is just like a good person who doesn't cause any drama and is really everyone. And I go, yeah. And I said, I would tell Dan Caesar that when he would call. I go, Dan, you, you think that there's something there? And in reality, it's just... It's just guys who, you know, you know, probably should have majored in something different when they were 19 or 20 who are now just talking off in St. Louis. You know, I mean, it's they're, they're, nobody's like, you know, really yeah. look at it's just not as titillating it's as not this reality TV right. show. Is I mean, we walk in, we never hang out with each other and we all, I think, support each other. Right. And would if something got if one got fucked with, they're fucking with all five. Mm-hmm. But. It, it, in a professional business like this, it's just a it's an office that we're grateful to be at, but we're just doing our jobs. It's not all that titillating. I suppose that kind of ruins it by saying it, <laughs> but it's just not. Right. So, you know, I'm grateful. That that would be my overwhelming thing. I know I'm going to die. I think it's healthy for me being a fucking mess to have a death clock because it'll motivate me. Uh, I want threesomes. I don't think it's happening at all. I really don't think it's happening, Jackson. I got to be honest. You're going to have a threesome before I have a threesome anytime soon. Well, I sure hope so. I, I'm bullish on that. And I think you're going to have sex in Jamaica. Ooh. I really do. Um, what else did we cover here? What we, This is like when Stern wraps up an interview. Okay, let's go through this. You said it all. Uh, what was the second question? Oh, Timmy recaps here. Yeah. Oh, like the Martin segment today. No, that wasn't... Uh, I, he asked, is it therapeutic triggering or a little bit of both? It's wonderful because I sit there and I go, I know this guy because I, I don't know if you saw the texts that were coming. It's like, oh, my God, bring Martin back. Martin, I want to do it. Martin, I want to get up. Yeah. That's why Martin left in 2006, that and Barrett. But he didn't hate Barrett. He hated that Barrett would, like, send the long emails on Fridays and then, like, jump, you know, criticize. And that's what he hated. But he didn't want to get up. He's doing TV. Could he do radio? 100%. I asked him that, as a matter of fact, when we were leaving. Not about doing our thing, but I'm just like, I would imagine that. And he goes, oh, yeah, they asked, but, you know. Uh, it's just not what he, at this moment, wants to Maybe he will. He certainly was interested in doing it when we brought him on board, and I guess that was 2017. And he loves giving me shit about bringing him on board because, as you heard, his thoughts on that experience. Um, but, no, I mean, now, nearly 20 years after that thing, this thing started, I mean, me and Martin and the cat and Doug and you and Joe and Iggy and the Plowhawk and Sea Monster, and I'm probably unintentionally leaving people out, which Gangster I don't want to. Gangster Pete. Uh, we all have kind of this bond. Mm-hmm. And it, it was not, that's not why we did it. We did it because it was a job and we had fun, and then it wound up becoming successful, and it will wind up dying. By the way, I hope I'm not ruining this for anybody, but this thing will end. Uh, but we got to experience it, and we were lucky to get to sit with people we really liked and I think respected and got paid to do it. Holy fuck. When I was caddying at Old Warson in 1998, I remember thinking to myself, I caddied for Joe Buck one time, and I thought to myself, 
God, all I want to do is call Cardinal games. And in the morning, I'll play golf, even though I didn't really play golf at the time. I thought, I'll play golf, and then I'll go call the Cardinal. That's all I want to do. And I kind of wound up getting to do it just in the inverse. Right, right. You know, Talk I do the show, the game. and then I then I play, play golf. golf. Yeah. If it ended today, that's why I'm, I'm not saying it is a brag. I'm trying to convey gratitude because I'm sure a lot of people would go, God, you guys are so lucky you get to do this. And if any, that might be where some of the anger comes from out of envy that we get to sit around and fuck off. And clearly not do a lot of work, you know, on the front end of it. But I am incredibly grateful that we had two decades of it. So if it ends in, you know, if today was the last show, and I don't say that for effect, it's just that's where I am. Um, and so sitting there with Martin is a reminder, like, God, I have worked with some talented motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. You know, I yeah. have worked with some talented motherfuckers, and I am incredibly grateful for that and then when we're working here for some quality people who know the business on top of being quality people you're just grateful for it all while knowing that at some point i'll listen back to this podcast and i'll be in a ball in the fetal position weeping because we at one point did have it so good yeah. but while it's so good i think it's important to acknowledge that it's good and that you have gratitude yep. so there it is jackson you didn't you didn't expect this today did you no no but uh you know, we got we got dark. We we came out of the darkness, uh, unscathed. Did and uh, I'm happier that we did it. And I think it's great. I think these conversations are important and they're super, to an extent, therapeutic. God bless America. There it is. Thank you to the sponsors who make it possible. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly. Uh, I've worked with him a couple of different times. Gotten pre-approved, refinanced, thehomelinexpert.com. Do you have to piss really badly? No, I dropped the keyboard below my feet, my, above my legs, or it just fell onto my fucking feet. God, did that hurt. It really hurt? I didn't well, hurt that bad. I mean, it's probably a three-pound keyboard. Well, it's connected to a piece of metal that from 1985, and it hit me square on the top I did top hear something go down over there. Yeah, it was this damn keyboard I got to deal with. Uh, then also, uh, James Carlton. Once you uh, get your home with Ryan Kelly, get insured with the great James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. And um, I already mentioned Mark Hanna of Greenwell Strategies. Get a financial advisor. But I'll tell you. You'd say, okay, what do you do at 24 years old that you weren't doing then that you do now? Financial advisor. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that. Immediately it goes to mind. Uh, and then also Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com. And Munganass just got a new car from the great people at Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganass, Munganass, St. Louis Acura. People got more than they bargained for in today's QFTA. Boy, I mean, we, I mean, these, this could have been three separate episodes. Yeah, for real. So yeah. what did we do? What, what did we even talk? Oh, we talked about death. Death. Um, Martin's appearance. Martin's appearance and whether or not it's therapeutic or triggering. Yeah. And then the whether page. or not we regret the fan page's existence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a... This is the baptism. This is the baptism, baptism scene. Yeah. Mo Green took a shot in the eye. Right in the eye. Bazzini. Yeah. Tataglia. Yeah. They're all gone, Carlo. That, that poor... That Carlo's so bad in that scene. <laughs> God, Michael... Or Al Pacino's acting circles around that poor bastard. Who still goes on the? Yeah, yeah, he, he goes. It's like kind of sad. I know. I know. I remember Frank uh, came in. You just got to see Martin's impression. So now mine will be. <laughs> yeah, I know Martin's so good. Hey, uh, you guys. So we have uh, we have the guy who played Carlo coming up today. On he's coming on. He's, he's alive and he's going to be on it. And then I thought to myself, what the fuck's he doing on your show? Like if you were in The Godfather, I'd yeah, be thinking. Right. No, that's know. like all. Of the, and then we saw in the offer who the guy who actually played Carlo. Ended up how they portrayed him. Yes. In the but offer. Not in the highest of esteem. No. No. Not at all. There it is. QFTA is in the books. I think we gave the people a lot of meat today. I yeah, think we did. Boy, yeah. 
but they, they'll still be hungry for more, and that... That's when we come back, That's when like come Jordan. Back. Uh, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.